This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Minutia Men Celebrity Interview is up next. But first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. I'm Sam. I'm Kimmy. And it's Tommy. And Friends is the only podcast where you can hear about Florida men carjacking Amazon delivery vans. And magnets. How do they work? And the multiple improper uses of glue. Listen to Ant Friends on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. All right, I, I cannot remember being quite this excited about a guest on the show for a while. I've been a fan for 40 years. Uh, the, the former lead singer of the great band The Tubes who gave us mega hits like Talk to You Later, She's a Beauty, and many others that you remember, has a new album out, his first one in 24 years, called Fee Wabel Rides Again. Please welcome to the show Fee Wabel. Oh, thank you, Rick. Uh, this is so I'm still exciting. the lead singer, not former. I'm still the lead singer of the Tubes. Okay. Can't do any gigs. That's Well, that's a good point. God. That's a great point. I will get to the new album in a bit because uh, I love what I've heard. But I, I want to talk to you about um, the tubes, and you know, you were okay. my—I'll tell you the song that was my gateway drug to the to the tubes. Yeah. It was the song "Don't Touch Me There." Oh, really? Wow. Which was the first song I ever heard from you guys. I was a, a freshman in college. Uh, it was a duet between you and a female, basically. Uh, well, you know what right. the song was about. Um, yeah, restyles, yes. <laughs> the smell of burning and, leather. <laughs> right. It, and and it was uh, it was written by a, a girl named Jane Dornacker, who was part of the two two bets that you know our 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 four girl uh, featured. Uh, strippers, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, uh, that I mean, we and we used to do the tune. You know, we used to do it. You know, it obviously it was the whole thing is kind of a piss take, and and don't touch me there. And we used to do. Uh, you know, there was the kneecap. Ah. You know, and we would do. We used to originally. We used to do. Uh, Gosh, they used to let us drive a motorcycle, a real motorcycle, onto the stage to do that number. Amazing. And we would go, we were on tour, and, and the, the production manager guy would, you know, find out ahead of time. He'd call some ex-Hells Angel guy and say, hey, can we use your, your, your ride, you know, usually a Harley, uh, for on stage for the tube show and and we and so over and over again we would get these giant hog harleys you know and <laughs> and just ride it right onto the stage and uh and then you know do the number and i would be you know uh, you know like a motorcycle jacket and and she would be all dressed in black leather and we would do the tune and big big hit it was a big hit that was awesome and, and it got first first you know it you know finally they said little by little the whole, the whole thing you know got shot down uh you know they said oh you know if we we we, we had a we had a backup uh we we um, <laughs> we we if we you know to to, to cover us in case we couldn't get a motorcycle, uh -huh. we had a, a, a frame, a, a fake, a fake motorcycle. We had like a, okay. a, a motorcycle frame with no engine in it. And we kind of built in it, you know, a fake looking engine out of like coffee cans or something <laughs> and sprayed it black. And we would have Mike Cotton, the synthesizer player came up with like a, a motorcycle synthesized sound and he would run, run they would, you know he would put it in the sound system and they would like push me on from the side of the stage and i'd kind of roll into the stage and stop and uh so you guys uh, would go to from down to town not knowing if you'd have a motorcycle or not right 
Not, well, we couldn't carry a, a, a Harley in the bus. And, yeah, I guess that's and, right. And that's what. And, and so we had this fake one to use if we couldn't get one. But mostly, most of the time we got one. And then they they said, "Oh no, you can't. Uh, you know, you can't have a uh, gasoline combustion engine on the stage." Uh, you couldn't do that anymore, and uh, and that was the same. We used to carry a uh, we used to carry a chainsaw, you know. So I uh, a, a, a real chainsaw because I would do the the punk number, you know, I'd do Johnny Bugger, and yeah, uh, I was a punk before you and Sar standing there are punk songs, and I would swing a chainsaw around. Uh, a real chainsaw. I, you know, I took the blade off. Right. So yeah. Right. Cut my leg off <laughs> and swing it around. And, and of course, you know, uh, they, they wouldn't let you use that either. Oh, cause those are gas powered. Uh, they're yeah. gas. Right. <laughs> and, and you, you know, you can't really, can't really very well use an electric one. They could, the whole kind of, <laughs> the whole effect is gone, isn't it? Right. The smoking yeah. and the noise <laughs> and the danger. And, I guess it was a fire hazard if you look back on it. <laughs> well, I, one time, I, I guess it was, one time we were in Atlanta. This was in the you know, early 70s. We were playing Alex Cooley's Electric Ballroom in Atlanta, which was a famous club. Yeah. And, uh, uh, downtown Atlanta and I was doing the chainsaw and the cap of the gas compartment came off and so I was swinging it around <laughs> gas and just spewing gas everywhere all over the band and the gear and the front row and just oh my god hey man that's and, rock and roll <laughs> I know and it just come and you know back then I mean that you know there, there was people smoking you know you it, this was before no smoking yeah right and, oh uh, right right oh, good point you're lucky you know who knows i could have torched myself but well, you yeah. can't do that anymore and no. then you can't do that and then you can't uh gosh i used to take it on the and on an airplane you know with me the chainsaw and then they went oh no you have to you can't do that and then oh you have to empty the gas tank because so i would empty the gas tank and then for a while they'd let you do that and then oh no you can't have a you can't have a even an empty gas tank you have to clean it out and then also i would rinse it out and oh oh the man finally, is keeping you down really so pretty much you're done you can't you can't use a chainsaw you can't have a motorcycle you can't have anything no you're done sorry well that you know that so, song that song don't touch me there was the flip side of white punks on dope which you know that was like right. your closing number for years and years it might still be i don't know you 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 seem to really enjoy playing that one it's a song oh, that makes fun of ho rich hollywood kids oh yeah yeah and we do enjoy it is still the cl well it's not the it's the closer of the regular set and right. then we usually come back and do a, a three or four song encore with you know with talk to you later and she's a beauty and whatever else we're doing you know tubes world tour or piece by piece or we or turn me on or something depending on what the set is and uh did you ever hear you the know. german version of that song Oh yeah, Nina Hagen. That yeah. was, you know, I grew up in Germany, um, and oh, I, heard, really? I heard that song before I heard your version of it. And she changed the lyrics, made it into like a West Germany, East Germany thing. But it, you know, it's it's yeah. awesome. I think too. TV Glotzer. It was yes, called. that's right. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I I actually we actually played with Nina Hagen a couple of times in Germany, and. Uh, we were we were big in Germany. We went. Well, I guess it's been a couple of years since we went to Germany, but uh, I like playing Germany because I always liked Germany, and you know they were so together, and you know ever the 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 gig was spotless and everything worked. And, <laughs> and you know, you know what unlike, uh, they would appreciate playing, about you is your punctuality. You were on oh, yeah. at exactly. We're recording this at one o'clock Chicago time. You called at exactly one o'clock Chicago time. Yeah. Yeah, Germans have it together. I mean, unlike you know playing in Italy, which was just a you know a, a crapshoot every night. You know whether it, 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 they could get it together or not. And uh, uh, but uh, uh, what was I going? to Oh, I was going to say they 
Um, Nina Hagen did White Punks. Uh, Motley Crue did a version of White Punks. Oh my God, I've never is, heard that. It was. I mean, they cut out the bridge. You know, okay. it's, it's not a great version. I okay. Have to say. <laughs> uh, although Vince is a friend of mine, so I mean, they they uh, they had a oh man, talk about pandemic they had a massive stadium tour you know uh last summer sold out with with uh you know with brett michaels and them and i think def leppard or i don't know it's like a huge four band stadium tour that you know that completely got shot down yeah that's and, a moment. Uh, that's a moment. and then most recently joe elliott from uh def leppard def leppard he had a solo band and they did a version of white punks on dope and it's really good oh wow i gotta find that yeah the band is called the down and outs down the letter n o u t z all right down and outs and they did they did white punks on dope and it's really good i mean joe's a great singer you know he's really good well i bet i bet the uh the performance on stage isn't uh, isn't up to tubes caliber though you well know. they don't yeah their, their platforms aren't nearly as high well i gotta <laughs> tell you the the characters that you portray on stage that you inhabit uh you know a, it, a tube show is an event you, you go there and it is like a uh, like a multimedia presentation of just a visual and audio excitement and yeah. to me, it you know, it kind of reminds me, and and I don't know if this is something that influenced you, but like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Had, oh you know, my God! Is that something that was uh, an influence on you guys? Oh, I mean, uh, I guess you don't know, but I I have done the Rocky Horror Stage Show. Oh no, uh, I didn't know that you you. Oh yeah, as I, like Frankenfurter. I'd done Frankenfurter more than a hundred times. <gasps> oh my gosh! Uh, there's a, yeah, there's a theater near you actually. Uh, Augusta, Michigan, is a small town right outside Kalamazoo, just to the east of Kalamazoo on Highway 96, and there's a, the- a summer stock theater there called the Barn Theater, and they've been doing summer stock for about 75 years and it's an old milk barn it's a quonset milk barn that's been re revamped and remodeled and it's about a 750 seater it's a beautiful theater with full-size stage and wings and lights and sound and and for years i started in i think 98 uh the the director of the theater is a guy named Brendan Rigazzi, and he went to he went to college in San Jose, California, to San Jose State in the '80s, and when the tubes were big time in the '80s, you know, with the big hits and sure. everything, and and he was a big fan, and they had been doing, and so then he after college he went back home to Augusta, and his took over being the director of the Barn Theater from his father, who was getting old, and. Um, and they were do they would do they did rocky horror like every other year uh and uh the guy who played frank furter his name was sal he was from new york started getting really fat <laughs> and he couldn't <laughs> fit into the bustier anymore and yeah, so, yeah I could, that's probably not a good visual <laughs> is it <laughs> no and brendan brendan and it was so weird the way it happened brendan thought he thought oh my god if i could only get fee wiggle to play frank he would be so great and he was you know he had seen us play in san jose a million times and and so he he and and and, and he didn't know how to reach me this was like 98 right so there's really no internet or yeah, anything right. happening yet and uh he told another guy jim cummins who is the guy his sound guy who put the whole sound thing into the theater he says oh man i would and jim says well i don't know i don't know and uh so a third guy named rick i can't remember his last name he was a tv cameraman and he was doing he did commercials he was a cameraman and he he was in la doing a commercial shoot 
and had brought had driven out and brought his dog with him and i had at the time i had two dogs and i used to go to this dog park every day to walk my dogs mona and minnie and uh and so i'm at the park walking my dog and this guy comes up to me and recognized me and he said oh your feed from the two so like, yeah and he had his dog and i said oh cool so we walked our dog together and uh <laughs> that's that's amazing i know i know and and i said okay well at the end of the day i said okay well fine i'll talk to you later see you later and so i left and then that night rick calls his friend uh uh, in Chicago, the sound guy, Jim Cummins, he goes, Jim, oh, yeah, how's it going? And like, you know, I met Fee Waybill at the park today, you know. And Jim goes, no fucking way. <laughs> and he goes, Brendan's been trying to get a hold of him to do Rocky Horror. And he went, really? And, I, and so Jim says, here, give, here's Brendan's number, give, him, give it to Fee. He goes, well, I don't know. And, I, and I, he goes, I, I guess I'll go to the park tomorrow and see if he's there. And so, and sure enough, I went, it's a, I, this is a park I always go to every day. And so I went to the park and then he, Rick goes, I, you know, I talked to my friend Jim and they said they want you to do Rocky Horror at the Barn Theater and call this number. And I went, really? And I, and I hadn't done, you know, I had never done that before. I'd never done Summerstock Theater before. Wow. And, uh, and I went, okay. And I called Brendan up and I said, this is Fee. And he goes, I want you to do Rocky Horror. I think it was, I think it was like February or something of 1998. And he said, we're going to open in, in June. I want you to come out and rehearse for two weeks and then do two weeks of Rocky Horror. I didn't have to, add nothing. He said, I'm going to send you the script. Go just just hoping that you can do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, goes, I know you can do it. I yeah. mean, this is the, so I, I went and bought the soundtrack and I learned the songs and I read the script and I went out there and I just, you know, sight unseen with everything. And I bought myself a pair of open toed pumps. <laughs> <laughs> what size? Yeah. 12. Yeah. I bet you those aren't so easy to find. <laughs> yeah. It was hard to find. <laughs> And uh, and I, it was funny the the costume woman when I got there the costume I showed her the shoes I got she goes and they were like had big like three inch four inch heels the stiletto kind of heels and uh, she said are you going to be able to walk on these heels and I went ah uh, yeah I got a little so, experience I've got some big shoes with big heels and you know coiled shoes are eighteen inches and. <laughs> And so they, you know, I, they gave me the bustier and they gave me the panties and the fishnets. And uh, I actually dyed my hair black because uh, I wanted to be very authentic. I didn't want to wear a wig. So I dyed my hair black, just like, like Tim Curry. And uh, that's awesome. And funny, you know, Tim Curry, uh, there's some kind of simpatico with me and Tim Curry. I've never met him, but. I saw Rocky Horror before it was a movie or before it was anything played in L.A. here at the Roxy Theater for about two weeks. Rocky Horror was live at the Roxy Theater in in Los Angeles, which is a tiny. I mean, it's like, you know, Roxy is like 400 seater. It's yeah. tiny. And uh, and they built the stage. And, and I saw that on one of my at the time I was living in San Francisco, but I saw it. Uh, I went to see it in '75 uh, at the Roxy, and I thought it was so great. And and, uh, and and you know, and Tim Curry was doing it. This was before when when it was all original cast: Susan Sarandon and Tim Curry and Bruce Boxleitner. And oh, they were in original. the stage presentation too. Yeah, the I original didn't even know stage. That. Yeah, yeah, and uh, before the movie and. Uh, and it's it's weird and then and then i ended up doing later on and so i started doing it at the at the barn and i did it you know gosh so i mean i did it like the end of the last show of one year and then the first show of the next year and then the year after that and the year after that and it, it was a big seller you know big ticket seller everybody loved it and and uh, and i really enjoyed it it was so much fun and then i i got uh uh, speaking of channeling Tim Curry, you know, I did spam a lot 
Oh, the wow. Monty, the, the Monty Python yeah. musical. And I, I did Tim Curry's role of King Arthur, and I did that at the barn also. And uh, gosh, I mean, that is... You know, it's it's funny because Rocky Horror, you know, is so popular, and you know, there's a whole uh, audience. Oh sure, I used to go to watch it. Yeah, when, when it was a replies. midnight movie where you you right. throw toast and whatever, you know, that sort of thing. Right, and uh, you know, uh, you know, like I said, well, what's your name, Brad? And everyone, and I said, Brad Majors, and the audience says, asshole. And then, <laughs> And there's all of these responses right. that the audience has, and uh, and mostly they're from 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 Frank Frank's you know lines. Right. But what happens is, and after and it got me got so annoying, over and over again, you know, people in the audience got so into it that I would say before I even finished saying the line, <laughs> they would scream the response. Right. You know, just walk right over my line. <laughs> And scream! I would say, Brad, asshole! Before I finish saying majors, oh god! And it just drove me crazy. It just used to drive me crazy. And finally, I think one of the last times I haven't done it for a while. I haven't done it. I don't think since what 2016 or 17, maybe. Finally, and I and this is you know totally, totally. unprofessional shall i say okay <laughs> i'm i'm doing it and rocky horror and i'm doing i'm going through the, I mean, it's near the end of the play and there's two people in the audience who are vying to spew out their line first uh-huh. you know they they know all the lines and they're and everybody's dressed up and uh and they, they again and again and again they they're tr- they're trying so hard to be the first one to say the line that they're getting farther and farther walking on my line they're just walking on it and walking on it and walking on it. And oh, God. And I'm just getting so frustrated. And finally, I just stopped a- a- after one of these things where they walked on my lines and screamed it out before I had even finished speaking. I stopped. And everyone kind of went, oh, no. <laughs> and went, oh, fuck. No. And I just looked at the person. I went, Really? <laughs> Really? You're breaking the you fourth have, wall, Fee. Yeah, exactly. I break the fourth wall. I said, you must have seen this before, huh? That's <laughs> awesome. And then I just went back to, okay, okay, I'll go be frank again. But uh, but I think Spamalot was, I mean, that was, you know, fuck, that was so great. Spamalot was yeah. my, my the most fun I ever had doing a, a, a play on stage. Now you've also been in movies. I know you were in uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes, I right. Was. Um, yes. And if if memory serves, there was a scene uh, when they went to the future. Right? Was that the scene that you were in with Clarence Clemens and uh, right? The and most Ma- important people from Mar- Martha Davis and Clarence yes. Clemens. <laughs> most important whatever i can't remember we and we had all these lines we had a bunch of lines they cut out every line yeah that's in, right because there's in, no you have no lines at all in the none uh, none they yeah. cut every line out <laughs> that i ever had so and and we're and we're supposed to be floating you know and the floating part was not hydraulics it was a two by 12 that we're sitting on like a teeter-totter and some crew guy in the back you know, pushing it up and down. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> very high tech. Um, yeah, very high tech. And it was, uh, where we did it? We did it in Arizona at the Dick Van Dyke studio. But, and that was nice. And Martha, I guess Martha, one of her daughters uh, was was the girlfriend of a production assistant or something. Okay. And they had asked him uh you know who could we get? What kind of what kind of rock people can we get to play these most important people or whatever? And and so Martha called me up one day because because we had done uh, uh, actually I think it was I think well I can't remember whether it was before we did the duet before we did Monkey Time together I can't remember but she called me I knew her because the motels you know we had played with them many many times right. And, those all those 80s shows yeah and uh 
and so she got me the gig. So I saw you guys play with uh, uh, Utopia in uh, oh. in Central Illinois at uh, Illinois State University back oh, in yeah? like nineteen eighty five mm-hmm. or something like that. Eighty five, eighty six. Yeah, probably yeah. the Love Bomb tour. That was that, a great uh, Utopia open for us on that last tour. Yeah, that last was a big great national show. tour. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your new album because uh, I I've okay. been listening to it all day. It's it's great. It, it's called Fee Weibo Rides Again, and and I think people might be surprised that uh, Richard Marks is the producer, but you guys have actually known each other for for quite a long oh, yeah. time, haven't you? Many, many, many years. For thirty eight years. I mean, I've written lyrics on on almost every album. He, you know, from the very beginning, his first album had four songs. And that sold three million records, and then yeah. the next one I had songs. And the next, we've been friends for a long, long time. And uh, how did you meet? And, how, how did the two of you meet? I mean, he's a Chicago kid. You're out there, in right? LA. He's a Chicago kid, and when he was, he uh, he was a songwriter. His dad, his dad Dick, was a great guy, and he was a jingle writer. His dad was a keyboard. A jazz keyboard player in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, his dad very, wrote like, uh, like the right. Chicago Blackhawks song, I think. Like, right. You know, these he uh, wrote like the real jazzy song. song. Yeah, he was great. He wrote, my, he wrote, My Dog's Better Than Your Dog Kettle Ration. <laughs> he wrote all these jingles. And so Richard was, you know, would, you know, could write and could sing. And what happened was he placed a song with Lionel Richie. Wow. And he just sent this song in, and Lionel Richie recorded it. And uh, Richard came out from Chicago when he was 18 years old to, um, I think it was 80, would have been 83, when we were doing uh, Outside Inside. And Richard came out to watch Lionel record his song. And he was a fan of david foster and knew about all uh, you know he knew foster did earth wind and fire you know he did boogie wonderland and he did the first tubes album out uh completion backward principle and so he asked lionel you know could you set up a, a meet for me with david foster and and lionel said well yeah sure i know he knew him and he goes well he's right down the street he's at the lion's share recording studio doing the tubes right now and you just, you know, I'll call him up. You can go over and, and, you know, so he did. And so Richard showed up one day in the studio. It's funny, actually. And he sat in the back, you know, he's a little 18 year old kid uh-huh. sitting there, big hair, sitting there really quiet in the back of the studio. And we're doing, we're trying to do a guitar solo and Bill Spooner is there and I'm there and David and, and Umberto Gatica, the engineer, and uh and bill's having a hard time and he's a little bit hung over and he <laughs> you know david is you know going come on man let's go and david is such a perfectionist and he really you know he really doesn't have a lot of detente when it comes to although he's brilliant i have to say but not he's a diplomat brilliant. you might say but not exactly diplomatic yeah and we're working on a record and it's been it's taken too long and bill was having trouble trying to figure out a solo you know and uh you know because those guys roger and bill you know they're self-taught you know they don't read music and okay. they're great brilliant guitar players but if you want them to play a solo they might not ever play it the same time same way twice right you know the same notes twice and so which is great and also difficult in the studio and um uh, you know you get something you really like and you go, oh do that again <laughs> well like, what do what <laughs> you know and so bill is frustrated and he's having a hard time and and uh you know and i'm standing there and and Bill is is going, oh God, you know, and I gotta go do it again, do it again, do it again. And then he he happens to turn around and goes, Who's that guy? Who's this guy hanging out in the studio? He goes, Get this guy out of here. And I just went And that was Bill. Richard Marks. And it was Richard. And I said, Bill, come on. Just dude, come on, don't worry I don't know who this guy is. Don't worry about it. He's here to see Dave. And David. And he's okay, okay. And he goes back out and he's finally gets it, you know, and he's everything's fine. And so we finished the session off, and uh, and so 
Richard comes up to me at the end of the session and he goes, Oh man, thanks a lot. Man. <laughs> you know, appreciate that. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I just, I just want to say hi to Foster. And I said, yeah, fine. No problem, man. No, it's no big deal. And, and he goes, Oh, by the way, you know, I, would you, would you write a song with me? I'm, I kind of, I love your lyrics. You know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll I, I'd love to write a song with you. And I went, hey, Oh, okay. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And, uh, so we did. So we wrote a song first which was on my first solo record um who loves your baby oh the, like the kojak thing that i remember kojak, that i remember right, that song Kelly's, right that was on read my lips okay and so that's how it all started and we just became friends and uh uh you know then he that was 84 and then i think and and i think and, and then we you know wrote songs for other people we we wrote um we wrote a number one song for that girl band Vixen. Remember Vixen? Oh yeah, right. Uh, Live, uh, Edge of a Broken Heart was their number one single from their first album, and Richard produced it, and and I wrote the lyrics for it. And so we started having some success writing songs for other people, and uh, uh, and then Richard decided he didn't want to just be a songwriter. He said, I want to perform. And so he got a deal, I think it was in 88, with uh, Manhattan Records, which uh, which was part of Capitol at the time. And uh, so we, you know, we started writing songs for him. And, uh, and so, you know, I wrote, I think, three on the first record and three or four on the next record. And then he starts selling millions and millions of records. Hold that thought. We have to take a break. Manisha Men Celebrity Interview will be right back. Welcome to the Stick to Everything podcast. I'm Larry Hawley. And I'm Paul M. Banks. In this episode, we touch on everything from Sega Genesis to even snow. We also cover the greatest national anthems of all time and the joys of animal Instagram accounts. We'll do so over three segments as we continue our discussions during the pandemic, which has continued into 2021. Listen to Stick to Everything podcast with Larry Hawley and Paul M. Banks on Spotify. OpiShows.com or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On Back to You, we might visit Park Place. We sure might, as we make a deal. Steve might go to jail and not pass go. (laughs) And Howard might be throwing axes. We're going to talk about games people play. It's a game like Back to You. Let's make that deal. (laughs) On Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Uh, now on this new album, I know <clears throat> I know he produced it, but uh, you guys co-wrote a bunch of these songs too? Yeah, every song. Oh, we, that's we, amazing. We were, we were 50-50 writers on every song except one. And that song was Still You on the Inside, that kind of country-sounding okay. song. Okay. And, um, and I did not write that song. And Richard wrote... Uh, Richard wrote that song with Chad Kroger from Nickelback and they had written it to submit to a Daughtry album and and he sent the song to me and he goes oh I wrote this song with Chad and he sent it and it was Chad singing the demo vocal lead vocal and I just oh my god Richard this is fucking awesome this song is so great I can't believe it and then they sent it to Daughtry and Daughtry went oh no thanks (laughs) 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 what you're fucking kidding me no he doesn't want to do it he goes no oh my god and and that was you know that had been it 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 laid in my in my iTunes library for a couple of years and nothing ever happened and I would just listen to it over and over and over again and hit Chad is such a great singer and such a great that's just such a great vocal <clears throat> excuse me and and then when we got to doing my record uh, uh, back in 2019 we had started we started back in like 2013 we wrote Faker and three or four other songs and uh 
and then kind of it got kind of set aside and everybody had something going on and we were on tour and he was on tour and we never got back to it until 2019 and he said well let's finish this 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 is you know we started this like three years ago four years ago let's let's finish i said okay let's find some songs and so the first thing i said was i want to do still you on the inside and he went really oh yeah he goes and i said i don't know that i can beat chad's vocal because it's so great and it's awfully high but i want to try i want to try it and so he said okay whatever and uh so that's the only song i didn't have a, a writer's credit on and but then we found these other we saw the the say goodbye song was a song i had written for richard for one of his albums you know in the past and he never did it and that was another one sitting on my itunes library that i would listen to over and over and over i was oh my, this is, i love this song it makes me cry every time i listen to this song i want to do this song so we did that and then um uh we wrote a couple at the at you know during the year 2019 we wrote uh don't want to pull the trigger and we wrote um uh meant to be alone they were brand new for the year and but then another one uh um man of the world was a song that we had written before and forgotten all about and i'd even forgotten that i'd written the lyrics to it and one day he sends me this track with no lyrics on it with just kind of a la la that's what he, we used to do that's how we write he sends me a track and it's just la 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 and no words right okay just just la la's and just fill in the words here's the melody line fill it in what is it about is it a happy sad is it a, a sarcastic social commentary like promised land or man of the world or is it a chick song or is it a you know whatever uh i don't write very many happy songs i, have to say. <laughs> I think they're all happy songs <laughs> but that's just me but, you know elton john said you know melancholy is way more interesting <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually is true, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And uh, uh, and so it's funny. I I said, well, I don't remember this song. He sent me the song with no lyrics, Man of the World. And I just said, I don't remember this. But I have on my computer, I have a, a folder that has all the lyrics I've ever written on. The, well, at least all the ones that, you know, that I put on the computer from from. Uh, uh, from years ago yeah. and so i couldn't remember what what where this track had come from or if i had written it at all so i started i started you know i would i would get my computer out and i'd bring up the lyrics of a and i'd play the song and i'd try to fit the, the <laughs> line into the melody line of the song you know is this does that fit no that doesn't fit and i kept going through every all the way to m and I finally get to M, and I see this man of the world. Okay, and I put that lyric up, and then I play. I went, and then I and I went. Oh, this is it. The, it fits. It fits the line. It fits the, you know, the pentameter of the line. It fits the length. Oh my God! I said, Oh, this is it, man of the world. Which is another kind of sarcastic, you know, get your head out of your phone kind of song. Right. You know. Uh, yeah, I love that one. I, you know, uh, Faker is to me faker is like that's a hit that that song is unbelievable yeah that's the first one we wrote and uh and uh you know we just he said i want it has to be guitar it's a, it's got to be about guitars yeah. you know no synthesizers not not a lot of keyboards you know guitar tunes just like and we had such a lot of you know mike landau and and Matt Scannell and uh, you know a lot of great guitar players play on the record, and uh, so I, and that's kind of you know that's kind of where I come from anyway is guitar you know guitar world and you know guitar players and you know mostly guitar I, I don't I don't I can't remember actually when I ever went to a concert with a lead keyboard player right you know? exactly that's right it's I, rock know, and I've roll. Yeah, I've been to a lot of Eric Clapton concerts, and I even saw Jimi Hendrix 
gosh, I saw Jimi Hendrix how many times? One, maybe five times. Really? Where did you see yeah. him? Out, out on the West Coast? or? Uh... Yeah, on the West Coast at the, you'll love this, Jimi Hendrix in 1967, the, the first year of When Are You Experienced came, came out in, in 67. And it's funny because we used to go to, uh, we used to go, to, we used to, you know we lived in Phoenix and my friends and I from high school I I had a car and we would drive to LA for the weekend I had a little 67 Volkswagen bug <laughs> and we would four big guys would get in it and we'd drive to LA and go see bands and because uh, you know it wasn't a whole lot happening in Phoenix Scottsdale and on one of those trips in 67 I went to a record store and I saw this record with are you experienced and i lost my shit i <laughs> fuck i couldn't believe how great it was and i i actually bought the record brought it back home and went to the local am station it was called kriz cruise radio playing rock and roll uh -huh. right and evans uh, the dj's name was tony evans and he was a big deal in phoenix and i brought him the record and i said jim tony this guy this is the most incredible thing i ever heard unbelievable and so they 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 started playing it and i saw in that same year jimmy hendrix came to phoenix and he played the phoenix uh, the coliseum it was a, a big, you know, like a three or four thousand seat kind of venue. And he opened for the monkeys. <laughs> oh my God. I swear oh. to God. He opened for the monkeys. <laughs> those, those teenage girls were like, what in the world when he <laughs> was out there, right? <laughs> oh my God. And I saw him live with the monkeys. I couldn't believe it. He was so great. And the monkeys, I could just, like halfway through, I just kind of went, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. You know, everyone remember the, the rumor that the, the behind the curtain, there was an actual band really playing and the monkeys weren't playing. Yeah, right. That was, that was the rumor. <laughs> and then I saw him again, uh, at Arizona State University play with the Soft Machine. He did, did a big tour with a band called the Soft Machine. Jeez. And uh, uh, I even saw him later on. He played, when, after I had moved to, San, to California, he played the Sacramento uh, Exposition. Um, after he, and this was when he had Billy Cobham on drums instead of Mitch Mitchell uh, later on in the in the gosh this had to be 69 i guess he died in 1970 september he died the day before my birthday oh, september man. 16th 1970 so that was not a very happy birthday but yeah, yeah but I yeah thought... i always i've always loved you know steve lukather is such a brilliant guitar player he's a good friend of mine and you know i've written a lot with him and he's played he played a lot on my other solo records and uh so, and so, I mean, do you think guitar, there's ever going to be a chance where this record goes out on stage? I mean, I, and obviously in this COVID uh, world, oh, uh, it's it doesn't look like it. But uh, yeah. this album deserves a tour. I mean, it's really that good. Well, I'd like to. It, in fact, the funny thing is, uh, early in early in the year in, in 2020, uh, I think like February. You know, Richard says, he goes, oh, we, we got to do a live gig. We have to do a live gig. And I will, I will let you use my band and I will be, I'll perform with you. I'll do background vocals, play guitar and my band, uh, why not? And Brian and Jay, you know, they can be the band. And because they played on, they played on at least two of the, 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 the songs that we did that year don't want to pull the trigger and meant to be alone. Both have Richard's guys on it. Matt Scannell, Brian, why not on bass? Um, and Jay on guitar also. He said, you can use my band. And he, and he said, he, the plan was he was going to Europe in May, I mean, March and April of 2020, right? Yeah, he said, I'm going to go out on tour and I've got like 30 shows in Europe lined up. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to take off 
the month of May. And in May, let's find a place where you can do a gig, a live gig. And I said, oh, I know the place. You know, there's a little theater in in L.A. called the Coronet Theater. And uh, it's only it's small. It's about a 300 seater. And uh, it used to be a movie theater. And but they they have comedians play there a lot. There's a guy and I, I'm, I'm good friends with a comedian guy named Greg Proops. And he used to be on, you know, whose line is it anyway? That 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 improv. TV OK, show yeah. With Drew Carey. Uh-huh. And uh, and I've seen Greg there quite a number of times. And uh, and the owner guy is a guy named Mike Flanagan. I said, you know, I said, God, I bet if I, and I've known him and met him. And I said, I bet if I, you know, they have bands there, uh, the Watson twins and, you know, little, little rockabilly kind of stuff. And uh, I've performed there with Greg a number of times. He, he has people on stage with him to t- chat and then maybe sing a song or something. And so I said, I'm going to ask Mike Flanagan if he would book me, you know, and and I did. I saw somebody. I can't remember who. Oh, Sarah Silverman. I saw there. And I went back and I talked to Mike and I said, "What well, you know? If I did a Feeway Bill solo gig, would you would you book me?" He said, "Yeah, for sure." I said, "Well, sometime in March." He goes, "Okay, well, just you know, let let me uh, let's. I mean, in May. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sometime in May." And I said, "Okay, great." He goes, "Yeah, let's just let me figure out when it when it you know." Um, what date we could do it i said okay great and then and then you know that was like february and yeah. then what happened yeah the, wah, the whole wah. thing i know wah, exactly the whole thing took a dump everything he never went to europe he never took may off i mean yeah. we took the year off right and so everyone else did too and <laughs> sadly and every and the whole world did too exactly well, I, so, I, I want to let people know where they can find your your stuff. Uh, you know, what's the best way for people to follow Fee Weibel now? If, uh, if well, I I'm on Instagram. I'm on. I have a website, feeweibel dot com. Also, the Tubes website, thetubes dot com. Uh, any of those uh, Facebook. I really don't. You know, I really don't do a lot of social media. I really just God. I just. <laughs> I used to do Twitter and I just hated it. And people okay. would, you know, it's so mean and hateful. <laughs> and I bailed on that. And I also bailed on fa- Facebook a long time ago, too. And then I, when I, the record came out, you know, the, my manager goes, Oh, you better do Facebook. You know? <laughs> Everybody else does. And Instagram, oh, God, I think the last time I posted something on there was about four months ago. So uh, probably the easiest way, if you want to really get a, you know, uh, is the website is feewaybill or, or the tubes.com. Okay. And we have the record there and we have, I did a book of poetry and there's a t-shirt and. All right. You know. Load up on the, on the, on the merch. <laughs> yeah. We even have a, we have a good, uh, we have tubes coffee mugs, which are really cool with the album cover on it. And we have a tubes, uh, beer bottle opener, which is really good. It's like you know, blue in the shape of the T from Completion Backward Principle, but it's got a, a an opener on two sides of it, and uh, that really comes in handy. It's really handy. It's easy to put in your pocket. It's really handy, especially um, these times when we're all at home and we've got yeah, the, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, full refrigerator. All at home, becoming alcoholic. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Fee, I really appreciate you doing this. This has been a thrill for me. I've been, as oh. I mentioned, a fan for forty years. Oh man! And I've well, converted I, I hope, my kids. I, I have three sons that are, you know, in their twenties, and uh, they love the completion backwards principle. Just the the oh, we play it on vinyl, so because it's got the you know, cool. if you can possibly manage the time. Yeah, uh, yes. Please play both sides at once. You know, there's actually a uh, unit. We we re-released that that album on vinyl, and it's like audiophile vinyl, 180 gram audiophile vinyl. Oh, I, uh, I'm gonna buy it. We made it a fold open. It's on the web tubes website. Right. Universal actually came up with it and said, "Oh, we'd love to do this." What? Universal, really? <laughs> okay. 
and uh, you know because they own everything and they own our, all of our records the a&m records and the capitol records and but they said yeah let's do a audiophile big and it's big and thick and it's blue and it's it's really cool it sounds great and oh, gotta, uh, get get it. To gotta get vinyl. it well th and, uh, thanks again for being on the show i i really appreciate well, it thank you for having me it was fun i i enjoyed it all right. It's really cool, the minutia men. <laughs> and we, we did get into the minutia. We, we did. That's the whole point of the good. show. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, really good. Really Take it good. easy, man. Okay, you too, Rick. Right. Okay, stay safe out there. We'll be back, okay? Yeah, hey, hey uh, you know, if you come where... to Chicago, let me know, because yeah. I will be you there. Know, where, yeah. we, where do we play there? We played in the Arcada Theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's and not that's far from us. That's out west, St. Charles. Right. right. Yeah. That's a beautiful little theater. I think that's the last time we played Chicago. Well, we got oh, well, to yeah, fix that. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't played we played the the uh what's the some little club I can't remember the name of it. And we played the 90s or the the 80s greatest hits 80s package thing. Okay. At uh at the Agora. Uh, but that was only three songs. So, but that Agora is pretty cool. The old Agora ballroom. Oh yeah. So that's pretty cool. Anyway, thank you. All right, take uh, it easy. We'll be back. We, we can't wait. You know, as soon as. And if I need to find you, I'll come out to the dog park. Okay. Yeah. Good idea. <laughs> All right, take it easy. <laughs> I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> bye bye. Bye, Rick. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opie is hippo backwards. O P P I H Shows. Com. Distributed by Ed Silla from the Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The preceding was a presentation of OPI Productions on the Radio Misfits podcast Network. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, we give some love to cars that should have been loved the first time around. Plus, a car wash might be trouble. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Lou Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Picking up the Skellicaster. The world's tiniest lizard. Greatest poem ever about Honest Abe. A Jamaican sweater with an Ethiopian flag. And Rick's brush with Marilou Henner. All that in unlimited tangents. Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. <laughs> <laughs>